And this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Madam Web. Joining me today, he just got back from the Amazon. It's Daniel Lima. Daniel, how's it going? I'm doing great. Uh, your mother says hi. <laughs> uh, I, 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 uh, uh, Madam Web. <laughs> it is the uh, it is the newest film from Sony's Spider Verse. It is directed by S. J. Clarkson with a screenplay by about four people including her and i didn't realize the two of them uh matt sazama and burke sharpless were the guys that did morbius a movie which i'm guessing you saw i did not see did oh you see yeah morbius? you know i saw morbius i've did. seen morbius i have seen dracula untold another one of their masterpieces they are really prolific they've also done the last witch hunter gods of egypt power rangers all of our favorite movies you know all those movies that have stood the test of time as like some of the best blockbusters of the past decade mm. and uh and sj clarkson though actually like had a very long tv resume that would have suggested that she was capable of doing something pretty good if given the chance to make a movie but you know i don't know if she quite did that uh so madam webb it's you know it's based on real characters though one of those things where they kind of Fuck them from obscurity, Guardians of the Galaxy style, just to much different results. It focuses on a woman named Cassandra, who's a paramedic who kind of grew up uh, living in the foster care system in New York because back in 1973, her mom uh, was in the Amazon in Peru. Uh, <laughs> what, what was she doing? Was she researching spiders? Well, that was a whole thing, too, is a lot of people were thinking that was like a that was a big viral moment when that line just dropped in that first chair. And then it wasn't even in the movie. A lot of people have been upset about that. They figured if I'm going to go sit through this movie, why don't I at least get the fun line? They didn't get the fun <laughs> one. Uh, but her mom is, is in the is in the jungles of Peru uh, with a guy named Ezekiel Sims trying to discover a spider with rare healing properties and its venom. When they get it, Ezekiel uh, betrays her, shoots her, but she is uh, saved by an indigenous tribe. And while her mom dies shortly after giving birth, we don't know how, but somehow she ends up back in the New York uh, foster care system, even though she was uh, delivered by this tribe. <laughs> I, I thought, did you think about that at all while you're watching the movie? I, you know what? I did not. I, I'm not gonna, that was the least of the problems. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of thought about. I was like, but how these, did these like indigenous tribe just like deliver her to like New York and fly back? To All right, and uh, Mr. Aranya, you go out and take that back to the to, to Lima or wherever yeah, they I, are. I, I don't know. Did he take the same itinerary uh, Cassie took in 2003 when she had to per, <laughs> to Peru on the way back? I mean, that just seemed like a lot for them to you know figure out and then get back with. But any in any event, she. Adult Cassie is played by Dakota Johnson. She is a paramedic in New York with a uh, work partner named Ben Parker. I'm sure we will talk about that a little bit. Uh, and all, But all of a sudden, though, as she's going about her daily life, she starts seeing near visions of the future. And uh, at the same time, we catch up with modern day Ezekiel Sims, who uh, has developed his own powers through the uh, use of the spider. But through his own seeing of the future, he sees that he is eventually going to get killed by these three younger, for lack of a better term, spider women uh, who are ha- have their own powers. And he has used all of his resources to try and track them down. And Cassie ends up on a path with them. And it's to say they have to work together and she kind of ends up shepherding them around New York to try and topple Ezekiel and and yeah. That's uh, we're not going to we're not going to give the movie any justice of any more plot summary. Uh, Daniel, this movie is uh, not good. It's but that doesn't mean that you are not an open minded person. You went into this uh, earnestly hoping to kind of enjoy it, thinking, hey, I have a contrarian streak. I sometimes like things different than the than your average moviegoer. I bet I will find something in this that finds yeah, your I'm, body. I am built different. I uh, regularly see pieces of shit that nobody else uh, appreciates. And regularly like, regularly like things that other people think are pieces of shit. And I think you yeah. went into this hoping that yeah. you would have that other take and that you wouldn't just fall in line with the critical consensus, which is a mass consensus in this uh, instance. And I, so I want to ask, because I know you didn't like the movie, were there things as you watch this movie where you're like, oh, I could have forgiven this, 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 and this, which a lot of people are killing it for, if it had done this right? Was there like one thing where it's like, man... They could have at least done that one thing right. I would have forgiven all that other stuff. Um. Oh, man. <laughs> Expansive question, because there's so much that this movie gets wrong <laughs> and so little that it gets right. I guess my overall impression of the movie is that, yes, it is bad. Yes, it is that bad. There were moments in the theater, long stretches of the movie, where I just had my face buried in my hands as I'm like, what are they, what is even going on? What are they doing? Who could have possibly 
chosen to make any of these decisions, but at the same time, I think I come away a hair, and I mean a hair, more positive than most, just on account of, I think that it is a failure that is a little more interesting, or at least a little less revolting than other big failures of the past year. What about it even gave you that modicum of interest compared to what, whatever you think about when you think of like the worst big budget movies of the last year? All right. <laughs> Trying to define what makes this movie bad, tall order. Because I've heard some people kind of say it doesn't quite rise to the occasion of being like thoroughly enjoyable bad. It's something less than that, less interesting than that is what I kind of what the consensus seems to be. Even people that are trying not to be mean spirited about it are like, oh God, it's just forgettable. It's not even like fun bad. Well, it is less interesting than other failures, but it also in in being less interesting is a bit more. So watching this, I couldn't help thinking of The Flash, a similar uh, superhero film that's meant to be kind of a launch pad for a larger cinematic universe you know, with all this multiverse, you know, multiple different futures kind of thing going on. I also thought about movies that I hated from last year, uh, Saltburn and The Blackening. Oh. Not thematically, but just why did those movies piss me off in a way that this, while being incredibly bad, just didn't, I didn't have that same feeling walking out the theater. And I think that while something like the blackening, I found you, you kind probably of like, had decent expectations for the blackening, right? Though fair, I had better expectations for two of those movies. The Flash, mm, a little less so, but where the Flash was a movie that was it, re you could really feel it being positioned. Like at some point, it was going to be like the movie. Like they, oh yeah, significant. They would, they would, they would not have like stuck by with Ezra Miller at all if they didn't think that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even with the restructuring at DC and such, so much money was poured in. They were invested in it in some way. Saltburn, yeah, of course, I hate the messaging of the movie. I hate its overall outlook on the world. But I think what really grinds my gears about it is the fact that it, it's a discernibly the work of one person. And I can ascribe to this film things that I dislike that are contiguous with uh, flaws that I have noted in Emerald Fennell's other work, you know, in a way that, that sort of handcrafted besp bespoke quality of the movie uh, makes it easier for me to kind of like hate mm. in a visceral sort of sense. And the blackening kind of the same way, like I find that movie kind of like abort on a moral level, which is kind of rare for mm. me. Um, I think that that is a very regressive movie and, uh, you know, not to make this a podcast about four other It movies. seems like you just don't really want to talk about the movie that you, that you <laughs> well, specifically asked this. to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is with Madam Web is that it's a movie that feels like it's not interested in itself while you're watching it. Like, it feels like the Wish version of a superhero movie in a way that I don't think any other superhero movie has felt uh, for the past, like, 20 years. One of the few, like, I think really discernible qualities of the Sony Spider-Man <laughs> cinematic universe is how threadbare it all feels. All of these movies, I know that there are people that will cape for Venom too. I am one of uh, them. So is your friend Josh Brown. I know, I know. And Ben, <laughs> but like, I, which is weird. We are reconvening later this year. I still, and Ben is already committed to it. I, is there a third Venom coming out this year? Yeah. I didn't even remember <laughs> that. All right. Well, well, in any case, I find that all of these movies kind of are more reminiscent of a superhero film that came out in the mid 2000s than they are reflective of like the current moment even though even as sony is trying to build this superhero universe which you know the prospects of this universe are looking dimmer and dimmer by the day they follow the conventions of the superhero film but like i don't know i don't know well, what the ineffable quality is well that's not a bad thing i would say but i would say the problem is is like it's just not well made and that's like the thing that like shocked me the most kind of well yeah that's the thing that's the thing is that this one even compared to those i think is so well, not well crafted on like any sort of level the script makes no sense there's all sorts of i hate to say it but plot holes and missing character motivations and the dialogue's atrocious there's no character development these people don't seem to like each other very much or go together very well which goes into these 
bland performances. It seems like the actors already are thinking of their next project that the superhero money is going to be used to offset the cost of doing. It looks like shit. It has no no personality to it visually, even by the standards of a superhero film in 2024. It feels like nobody cares. And this is a feeling that I get when I watch like Ruthless, when I watch a DTV action thriller that's meant to be kind of like a, a money laundering operation. That's what I'm used to seeing when I watch, when I review the uh, smaller films that I will often cover. But this, to see this level of disinterest, lack of craft in a movie that still cost like, you know, a hundred million dollars pre-tax write-off according to media, yeah, <laughs> um, like it, it boggles the mind. It makes the movie in a way just a bit more interesting than some of those others. Yeah, there have been some talk. I've, I mean, I've just, from what I've read or the podcast I've listened to about it the last few days, apparently... At least Dakota Johnson claimed at some point that there was some different version of a script she read when she said yes. And I mean, you don't want to like give her too much credit, but it, like you said, it does feel like it might have been like, you know, changed up or things might have been taken in, taken out, you know. It- yeah, there was a note that there was like some reshoots going on. I don't know the specifics, but yeah, it, watching it, it's like it's hard to imagine people agreeing to do this. I mean, not that there's other ones that aren't superhero movies that aren't good but like i feel like very few feel as like haphazardly put together in this way i think a lot of other criticisms you know for other ones that have just been bad have been bad for like other reasons whether it was just like very specific reasons where it was like oh no that was just like for, for instance like i know you don't like the movie and you don't like the director but like just take for example like the eternals even if even someone that really really doesn't like that movie can like understand like the difference between how something like that comes to be and like something like this comes to be like it's just like a different level of like craft goes into something like the eternals even if it's not in the service of like something that's like super well conceived of as a superhero story it's like at least it's like it feels like it was like edited together you know <laughs> i i know i, I understand sentence. Yeah. you know what i mean it's like it's like like at least like the craft people like all finish their jobs in that movie even if like you don't <laughs> like the whole and it feels like this, like we, we, we got to talk about that ADR thing with the, um, with the Ezekiel dude. Like, it, oh yeah. It, it was like, just, like rough. I, I normally, I don't notice ADR, you no, know, me when, neither, uh, me when, neither. Yeah, I, when they dub, when they dub in lines, normally it's done to kind of explain away details that the studio was like, well, the audience won't get this. It seems like they did this with every single line that I, I don't actually know the actor. Tahar Rahim, mm-hmm. um, who is a, a French Algerian actor. And I did look up an interview with him just to be like, all right. So he does, that is his normal voice. Like he just is like an, a French man with a, with an accent. But the lines, they all feel so, so artificial. They feel like, I'm like, did he, was he even in the room? Did they AI his voice or something? And it's all kind of exposition that is so clear, like he's not on screen when he's actually saying, quote unquote, saying these lines. It feels so like I don't even I don't even know what the what's the goal here. It feels like the goal, if you watch the end of this movie, was to like create some kind of universe where these girls could go off and be in their own Spider-Woman movie or something like that or a Spider-Girls movie. But it's like the movie actually just forgot that that was what their goal was along the way (laughs) but like kept the same ending (laughs) all right first off right off the bat a madam web movie who gives a shit i don't know how you're not a comic book guy how familiar were you with madam web yeah zero okay uh he did the the universal sign of a zero uh for those listening at home madam web is this old ass lady in the comics she's existed for like 40 years in absolute obscurity She's like a mutant who sees the future. For some reason, she's associated with Spider-Man. Literally, she's called Madam Web because she's on life support. She literally can't leave her apartment because she's attached to all these systems that look like a web. Did you know that going in? Yes, oh, I, I did. Know. And that's why I was like, okay. So you, knew so- it was, you knew it was probably going to end with something like her becoming like disabled? Yeah, yeah. She's blind. In the in the comics, she is paralyzed, which becomes like a plot point in, in this uh, piece of shit movie. This reimagining of her, like, I figure that, you know, in order to have a proactive protagonist in, like, a modern studio film, they're probably going to completely revamp her character. You know, make her the kind of compelling, go-getting 
hero that drives a, a film forward, like a film that people pay money to go see. And they don't really do that. Uh, her character, you know, she has this power where she sees the future. It's not really explained. It doesn't really amount to very much. Well, on top of that, it's like, I guess there is a way, and I, I, I've spoke more broadly about editing earlier, and editing can mean a handful of different things going to like editing as far as like what the audience notices or maybe more importantly doesn't notice but like man like could they have been even any more like jarringly off-putting with how they edited every one of her vision scenes like i i, I don't know if they're it, it just become it became tiresome after a while as opposed to uh exciting right i don't think i don't think it was at any point exciting or even like mm-hmm. suspenseful it's clear that they weren't trying to make an action movie because there's only like to call any of these action scenes is like a stretch, but there's like a scene where like Ezekiel, the villain, like comes and starts killing people. There's two of those in the subway, in a diner, and then in the finale where it's like they literally the entire movie is waiting to get to the fireworks factory. And yeah, they get to the fireworks, which factory. we were told in like it's like Schrodinger's fireworks factory. We were told <laughs> earlier in the movie, like, oh, that thing is like a death trap waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's Chekhov's uh, fireworks factory. Oh, Chekhov, yeah, not Schrodinger. Yeah, hey, look. We don't actually get to see inside of it. So is it a fireworks factory before we get in there? Is it not? I think that the analogy Or is it just old Pepsi? <laughs> but like... Uh, Which, yeah. How much money did Pepsi pay to be associated with this movie? Like, it's one thing to like be like embarrassing with your product placement. It's another to like presumably pay money to be associated with this movie. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And like, if it seems like we're going all over the place, it's because there's not... There's not it, much going on. It doesn't on deserve movie. a structured discussion. This movie barely con- conforms to the structure of what a kind of narrative film ought to be. So it's set in like 2003. And the reason why is obvious. They want Tom Holland in these movies. He will never be in these movies. But that's the goal. Okay, so can we talk about that for a second? Did you automatically pick up right away that was why Ben Parker was in this movie? Yes. Then you meet his uh, his sister or sister-in-law or something who is may parker and it's like she's pregnant it's like yeah that's spider-man no 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 no. ben is eventually going to be married to may because they are they are aunt may and uncle ben she, and he references like dating someone new earlier in the movie the sister-in-law is like peter's mom oh yeah see you know my comics lore i was i'm so embarrassed to be shown up by a neophyte well but no but like the thing that confused me was that like i mean i cocked ben parker my thing my thought went to like in, what multiverse are we in is this just some other random ben parker Parker, I, I I never even registered with me because I'm thinking about like I guess timelines and years and stuff like that. And if it's like this, Peter Parker is getting born in 2003. Like when did we first meet Peter Parker in the MCU? It was in Captain America: Civil War, which came out in like 2016. And maybe that movie is supposed to be set a few years after 2016. But I was just like, well, when we would have met him, if that's the same Peter Parker, he's 13. So it just never even really. I, I was just I was just like, oh, yeah, this is just some enough, alter, alter, enough, yeah. alternate universe, Uncle Ben. And I wasn't really thinking about like, this was a Tom Holland type of thing, or this is a MCU Peter I, Parker thing. But I think you're right. That's what they wanted to do. I just think they oh, didn't absolutely. really think, I just think they didn't really think the years through. And I saw somewhere that it was originally supposed to be set in the nineties. And that like, they just like, papered over it with all these incredibly forced 2003 references. A Beyonce poster, a reference to American Idol, a reference to Martha Stewart being uh, thrown in jail. In jail. Crickets in the audience, by the way, because nobody, I don't think anybody remembers that. But like, they should have just like put it in 2001 or something like that. I mean, anything about 9-11. Why did, oh yeah, Madam Webb, why didn't you see the towers fall? Uh, (laughs) Like, that's an interesting movie. Like, Ezekiel does 9-11? Yeah, let's do that. At least then there's like some kind of stake because my god this movie lurches forward to say it lurches forward implies some forward momentum there is none so the idea is that he's this incredibly rich guy somehow he's leveraged somehow he's leveraged being bitten by a spider into being a successful businessman i guess we don't even know how he's wealthy but he is right because like isn't it implied at some point that someone else has knowledge of like what that guy did to her mom uh not really. Oh, okay. Um, who cares? Um, yeah. But in any case, he's rich now. He's been having these visions of his death. Apparently, those are the only visions he got from the spider bite, whereas like Dakota Johnson got all the rest of them, but whatever. So he has been searching for these girls. 
So, like, most of the movie is just waiting for him to figure out who these girls are or where these girls are. And that takes, like, a half hour of the movie. And then it's, like, him looking for the girls. And we get multiple scenes where he's with his, like, random tech support girl. Played by Zosha Mamet, who I feel really bad at nothing better to do. What's the point of this role? All right, if you're trying to make this guy seem like a threat, right? Wouldn't you at the very least make him the one looking for the girls? He can climb on ceilings. He's very threatening. <laughs> the thing, weird thing about him too is that like he honestly at the end like wasn't that threatening. There were like moments before he got beaten like the final scene where it was just like, man, like aren't you supposed to like be strong? Like you're just yeah. getting like beat. You're getting your ass beat. And he's he's out to kill these girls. The moment that he finds the girls, what does he do? He starts attacking police officers for no right. reason. Like he is super strong and super fast. He could twist all of their necks within like this, a fraction of a second. Apparently, he was so focused on killing those police officers that it didn't make sense for the girls to have thought he was after them. But they all of a sudden just believed Dakota Johnson that he was after them. When they just thought she was like a kidnapper, like three seconds before, she's like, oh, we believe you now, even though like he literally focused all of his like energies on someone other than them. It was a very strangely set, uh, staged scene. Yeah. So I, I guess we're skating over the Dakota Johnson of it all. Do you like Dakota Johnson as an actress? I feel like I'm better. I'm, I'm a little bit more favorable on her than some people because I've never seen a single frame of the Fifty Shades movies. So I feel like she gets a little bit like uh, the Kirsten Stewart, Kristen Stewart treatment where people like hate on her, Kristen Stewart, Robert Pattinson, even though like they've couldn't like the casual moviegoers do and they couldn't name a single other thing they've done besides Twilight. Right. I feel like a little bit of that is what happens to Dakota Johnson when those people like haven't seen like things that she has done that are good. And I don't think she has like a great track record, but Look, like I want I want to say that I like Dakota Johnson because truthfully, I've really enjoyed her on the press tour. Everyone seems to have enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. Really enjoyed the jerk off instruction video that she put out to support this movie. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what you mean by that. So there was an ad, I think a Russian ad where she's like staring into the camera and saying like, I see the future too, just like my character. And I already know that when you see Madam Webb. You're going to love it. In fact, I think you're going to see it twice or something like that. Like she gets really into it. And I'm like, and I'm like, okay, yeah, yes, ma'am. I will go see this movie. I will go see Madam Webb and get two tickets. You know, she she has done things I've liked, including but not limited to a bigger splash, uh, the lost daughter, cha-cha real smooth. And a bunch of things I haven't seen. Yeah, I like Peanut Butter Falcon. I like Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah, I, we, we actually did an episode on that. Weirdly enough, wait, you, you, you wait, you did? You and I. You I and don't. I. I don't remember that at all. Actually, neither do I. I think it was. A I like that movie. I don't. Too. I don't remember why. Like. Like if you would give me like th- four guesses as to who was on that podcast, I don't even think I would have <laughs> guessed you. Like neither would I have. But um, and she was also in Bad Times at the El Royale, which was also quite fun. But yeah, I, here's the thing: she does have a sort of disaffected quality to, I think, her personality just in general, but like also in her performances. That I I, I really think she was okay in The Lost Daughter. Also, Wait, can, okay, this is a really fun coincidence. Can you name the other movie that we did a podcast on at the same time we did Peanut Butter Falcon? Oh fuck me! I it was. It must have been 2021. Very, very fitting that this came up during this episode is what I'll say. What what did we do? A dual episode? Was it a superhero movie? In a way. In a way? Was it Samson? No, no, we didn't do a Samson. Uh, it was <laughs> it was Dora in the Lost City of Gold oh, starring right. Isabel yes. Merced. Yes, who is also in this movie <laughs> and also, and here's why I'm going to lay off of Dakota Johnson. It doesn't seem like anybody is putting any effort in. You get three, like, okay, two really good young, well, okay, you get Isabella Merced and then Sydney Sweeney and Celeste O'Connor. Look, I have not seen Sydney Sweeney anything else, but the clips I've seen uh, doesn't seem like she has it. I think she's just really hot. I've never been impressed by a clip of her acting. No, she, she's, 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 she's fine. I hear people, I saw anyone but you and like... I, I kind of I get I get what people are saying where maybe she doesn't have the right demeanor for something like that. She just gives like a very dead eye sort of. She is a she's a capable actor. I, I actually really believe that. But I mean, 
none of them really necessarily elevated any of those parts, I'd say. No, and, you know, to be fair to them, how can you? There's nothing to any of these characters. And this is the worst part of the movie for me is when they all get together and have to like banter. That was, it was so awkward because when they got together at first, it felt like they all of a sudden, the way they started writing them, it was like they were supposed to have some level of familiarity with each other that like, I didn't think they had. It was like, they weren't supposed to know each other before that, but you didn't buy their chemistry at the same time either. It was because no, it was no, so poorly written. Because there was none. Because there was none. Right. Um, Isabella Merced, she plays, uh, which Spider-Woman does she play? Anya Corazon. She's supposed to be like this uh, immigrant woman who is, uh, or immigrant girl, I should say. Maybe a dreamer. I don't know. No, no. She, her dad was deported and she lives by herself. She's trying to make ends meet. She's struggling to like kind of stay in the country without getting deported herself. And uh, she's resentful of Celeste O'Connor, who's Maddie Franklin, who is this, uh, who she immediately pegs as like a rich girl because she has a cell phone in 2003. Like I had a cell phone in 2003. And th- th- there's like this supposed to be this forced sort of animosity between the two and this dichotomy between like, oh, one's a have, one's a have not. You were, you were, you were, you were a cooler kid than me. I did not get a cell phone until I was in high school in 2005. Wow. Wow. Look at you. No, I, I had like a little, uh, I think a Samsung, like one of those little brick phones. <laughs> uh, side note, I once was seeing a girl. I Oh, I showed her a picture of the phone that I had, my first cell phone. And her response, Gen Z, was like, what? what is that? Like, I've never even seen something like mm-hmm. that. And that angers me. That <laughs> angers me that people don't have that experience in their lives. I think that sort of thing builds character. But- Sydney Sweeney plays like the awkward nerd girl, and that's as far as their characters <laughs> go. It is Sydney Sweeney, the, awkward nerd girl. Yeah, it's so unconvincing, and like, like the, the way that they. I, I wish I wrote down some of the lines because it feels like it feels like in the script they put have joke here, and they just forgot to get to that until the day of the shoot, and they were like, okay, well, uh, just say like you know, just be awkward, or you know. Just, just, hey, you wouldn't like me when I'm hangry, you know? Like, this is the level of, like, dialogue. Or, or and, go dance and, to Britney Spears. And dance to Britney Spears, which is, you know, just, uh, what, all right, so the girls get left at some, I wish, maybe we should have done this, like, you know, a chronological retelling of the story here, just to give it some structure, but. I mean, not much really happens between the point that you're about to, the, the point of the movie you're about to describe and, like, anything that came before that. Yeah, I cannot harp on this enough. Like, there is nothing going on. Like, <laughs> most of the movie is characters waiting for other characters to do something. Madam Webb, she starts getting these visions after she almost dies. And, like... Well, they start at the Peter Parker baby shower, which is, uh, you know, does have the one scene about my mom died in childbirth, that one line that actually made me laugh. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, like, you know, she gets these visions, but she doesn't understand them. She goes to the doctor. They say, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with you. Because well, we, we already talked, we didn't talk about how she, like, got thrown off a bridge. But that, and so the doctor just trucks up the trauma. Yeah, and, like, she, you know, she just is like, whatever, and uh, just goes about her day. She does nothing. And then, you know, Ezekiel is doing nothing. You see glimpses of the girls, and that's the movie for like 40 minutes then when the girls get when the all the girls get together like madam webb somehow becomes their guardian because she sees a vision where they're all killed which by the way if you had had that be her first vision then you have something interesting then you have a character who is seeing these visions of deaths that she cannot get out of her head she doesn't understand them she shares the same obsession as the villain does now that's a movie (laughs) like that's a story and instead, she gets these visions of these girls' death, literally the moment that they're all on the same train together. But then she she ends up being their guardian by default. She drops them off in the middle of the woods in Jersey. I guess you can get into the middle of the woods in New Jersey from like an hour from Manhattan. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you go at the right time of day, at the right time of day. You know, this shows that I don't get out much because I live in Florida it's like a big state, hours to get anywhere. That's that's not the least. That, like, I, there were so many more things to get hung up on than that in this movie. If you're if you're not rush hour, like you can get to the woods. You can get to the woods in Jersey. I was more hung up on the fact that like like how do they all end up in the same uh like on the same train? Like, is there any reason for that at all? Like, oh, because fate. I don't know. Again, the movie doesn't harp too much on the nature of this lady's abilities. So like, it's not like you can even say that there's like 
a thematic sort of underpinning to all the events of the film. You know, uh, they get dropped off in the middle of the woods as she goes back to New York into her apartment, which she apparently can break into unseen, even though people apparently think she's a kidnapper for some reason. And so the plot stops again as Ezekiel is trying to find her. He can't uh, find the girls. He can't find the girls. He's mad that he can't find the girls. Dakota Johnson goes back to figure out the things that the audience already knows. And then the girls are left to banter. They go to like a diner because they're bored of waiting after like an hour. And, you know, they're being hunted to their deaths by like this supposedly supernatural, all powerful being. And they're like, yeah, let's leave. Let's leave and go somewhere else. Um, well, at the same time, though, I understand them not thinking ahead and uh, that, that he might have a way of accessing every single camera in New York in 2003. The thing that upset me more was them getting in the car later on to go to the hospital when P- Peter Parker's mom goes into labor. Why not just have them stay home? Wait, 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 when like she had a paramedic already driving her like you know there's no reason for them to be in that car like that bothered me more than them going to a diner when dakota johnson left them in the woods with three pieces of beef turkey well uh, fair enough but like she gets there there's like a half-assed i don't even know what like what's the intent is it supposed to be an action scene because like you're seeing her see the future as you know ezekiel predictably finds them and kills them all but like we know that it's her seeing it through a vision it looks like shit And it's not exciting because, you know, these are all normal people against this super powerful being. And he just snaps their neck in totally like a non-dramatic fashion. (laughs) You know, it's not even like a big set piece. Like, I don't know, the end of uh, Malignant where he's just bouncing all over the place. I mean, you know, we can't we can't really. That's that's an unfair comparison. That's a that's a five star movie right there. You can't. Yeah. Okay. I think it is a fair comparison (laughs) to say the 20 million dollar movie or whatever had a better action set piece than this hundred million dollar superhero movie. So, you know, no shame in not being as good as Malignant is what I would say. But this is uh, hundreds of rungs below Malignant. Then they leave and then he has to wait to find them again for another half hour. Uh, Dakota Johnson just goes to the Amazon, leaves the girls with Ben Parker. Um, At one point, she like reveals like a picture that she found of Ezekiel with her mom. The girls all see Ezekiel's face and they're like, so you do know that guy. And it's like. You've only seen him with his costume. <laughs> like, uh... how would they even... And I, you know, I know that I'm cinema-sinsing it at this point, but, like, it's just be- in the absence of anything else to comment on. Again, the movie's not about anything. It's not even about, like, furthering this franchise because it's so... It already feels so disconnected from everything else, other other Sony movie, that it's not even doing the, the like, Flash thing hints at like another universe being built well no it did it's just like there's you can't leave this movie and honestly think they're gonna want to build on it like like they 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 hint at stuff but it's like the movie's so bad that any viewer with half a brain knows this isn't gonna lead to anything else she goes to the amazon uh (laughs) she meets to meet one of the tribal guys or the indigenous guys that just now like looks like a regular dude on the street and yeah and he's and he and he immediately speaks to her in that knows uh, exactly who she is yeah, that fa- that you know that language that famously remote people in the middle of uh, South American jungles speak English, the universal language, explains to her that oh, you are capable of so so much. Like you are actually super powerful. You don't even know how cool and special you can do. Here's here's the mind boggling thing that Dakota Johnson can do that she didn't understand, and now she can. Now that she's healed from you know the trauma of her mother abandoning her by dying in childbirth which was apparently a huge thing about the character how sad she was about how her mom like didn't care about her and went into the jungle while pregnant which doesn't really feel like a real like a real underpinning of the character it doesn't feel like something that weighs on her or drives her in any way for the rest of the movie yeah, but but you all of a sudden get it like very spelled out to you when she has a scene where she gets to hug her mom or whatever yeah in the past who apparently her mom wanted the spider to like heal her daughter mm-hmm. of the muscular disorder mm-hmm. that she was going to have that they were di- that they diagnosed in, while she was in the womb whatever yeah she gets to explain she can see the future you know big whoop 
and she can also apparently be in multiple places at once. And you're like, all right, well, I guess that's something. It doesn't sound really cool, but let's let's skip forward to the action set piece at the end and, and see how this plays out. So what's her name? May Parker, who they're staying with. She goes into labor. That is not, that is not May. May is the unnamed girlfriend of Ben Parker. Right. Okay. He, you know what? Even though you explained up. it. Yeah. Now that you've explained it, I em, understand. Em, Emma, Robert, Emma Roberts is actually, her character is By the way, Mar- side note, is there, is, is there the implication that Ben Parker and, uh, and Madam Webb were kind of fucking on the down low? I, I don't know if it was actively on the down i think at some point in the past they had a thing i don't know i got the sense that they they've been fucking kind of regularly for a while (laughs) he's like hey he's like yeah this this feels real and uh i think that it's it's him saying look we cannot keep this thing between us we need to tamp it down Mm. you know but hey whatever so uh they all pile in the car to like drive off and and deliver the baby. Ezekiel finally has something to do. It goes to track him down. And then there's this big fireworks factory finale, which is maybe the the most underwhelming finale of a superhero movie ever. Uh, it's so it is so sedate. Like it's literally just regular people running. That didn't, that didn't through a, bother me so much because, like, I feel like you know people are tired of like the over the top ones. So, right? Okay. Well, this doesn't feel like anything. Is the thing for a movie like this. Apparently, I keep on seeing the director describe it as a suspense film. That feels wrong, um, because it's not very suspenseful when a character can see the future. It also doesn't have any sort of, like, aesthetic that highlights sort of an, an intriguing atmosphere in the same way that she keeps on reference. Apparently, she worked on Jessica Jones, the uh, yeah. Marvel show. And that's a movie, that's a show that, you know, yeah, it has the Netflix look, but it also does feel like a noir. It feels like it takes place in a New York that's kind of undergoing some changes post uh, Avengers, a dark place, you know, a place with character. And that's not the New York of this movie. In the absence of any sort of character going into the finale, like you're like, all right, well, at least we'll have a big flashy finale. And they are trying to do a big flashy finale. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in a fireworks factory. I, I also thought I also just thought like it wasn't well done. I mean, you can say I mean, the whole movie wasn't, but like specifically, <laughs> specifically, like whenever like they're they're a little bit off screen, obviously, or uh, Cassie conceives of this plan and then they all of a sudden show up there and it's like, I don't buy that they could have like choreographed this thing. They're just like blowing up boxes as they run around this room and it's in in no discernible direction. The idea is that she has seen the future and this is just how things uh, yeah, I play. Guess so. like, which also robs the movie of any stakes, which I, when your main character, her power is literally to see the future. Like, I don't know if you're aware. Madam Webb is like a side supporting character. She's kind of like this cryptic, mystic sort of force that uh you know occasionally will jump into a spider-man story uh, or occasionally she functions as just a MacGuffin, just somebody to be threatened and yeah it's not the kind of character who can support like a story centered on her but here we are she can see the future and so we know that it all works out and yeah it does she just they just run through a fireworks factory their idea of making her seem like she's coming to her own as a hero is that she can say like no, don't step there. That's dangerous. Don't do that. And then something dangerous happens. And they would have been there if she didn't say... Just what the fuck are we even trying to do here? Like, what's the point of this? This isn't exciting. Um, eventually, Ezekiel catches up to them. And she reveals her power to, like, be in multiple places at once. In the most laughable, like, lame sort of way possible. Like... All three of them are like dangling on ledgers or something, and she and Ezekiel says, "Ha! You can't be in more than one place at a time." And she goes, "Oh, oh, oh au contraire, Mister Ezekiel!" And there's a a show of shitty CGI lights as she actually appears in three places at once and just helps them up. <laughs> and this is the big moment of the climax. It is so lame. Like, what are we doing here? And yeah, eventually Ezekiel, something falls on Ezekiel and he dies. I, again, don't read the comics. Ezekiel, I don't know if you're aware, was actually a comic character. In the comics, he's this old man 
who shows up and presents like a sort of trickster mentor figure for Spider-Man. He starts to imply to him that there's this mystical force that's been kind of directing his life. Like he's an animal totem. He's a spider totem. I don't know. Like it goes into some weird J. Michael Straczynski sort of directions. So that sounds interesting. And none of that is here. He's just a guy who's hunting three regular girls to kill. And he somehow fails. Yeah, the girls do not have powers yet. They They don't have powers. There's so many moments during that, like, final scene. I alluded to it earlier where it's, like, he gets really slowed down by, like, basic stuff. And, like, like, she shouldn't just be able to hold up a piece of debris and have that be a shield. Like, he should be powerful enough to, like, get by that. It's it's, (laughs) it's just not a very terrifying villain because of that. Laughable villain. Characters you don't care about. A plot that goes all over the place. It was giving Ghostface in the Scream movies. How like, but I, what I part of what I like about Scream is that like Ghostface can be like, is this a regular dude? So he can get like knocked off his balance a lot more easily. Except that's mm-hmm. what it felt like. This guy was supposed to do. <laughs> he had powers. Yeah, it's like he's tripping and he's he trips on like a like a like a bench and he goes whoa and he <laughs> just goes splaying all over the place. And it's like how is this guy not? Ca- I could catch up to these girls by the time, and I don't I don't can't crawl on walls and. And also, they call him for most of the movie, like, The Wall Crawler or something like that. The least impressive fucking name. Like, I, oh God. Like, again, like, this is a movie where I'm watching it and I'm like, I'm not sure at what point anybody thought this was going to, like, work. <laughs> it just doesn't. Mm. Uh, no, no, any, any other thoughts? Uh, you know, I'm still looking forward to White Panther. Is that Craven the Hunter? Craven the Hunter, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had not heard you about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, look... I like animals. I think that there's a little bit more going on with that character. I don't know. Like, there is a world where you make, as much as people have mocked the uh, Sony cinematic universe or the attempt of it, I don't know. I, I think that there's a way to make this work. Spider-Man is unique among superheroes and having, like, a really distinct, cool set of villains do you are you aware of any of the spider-man people only from the ones that showed up in the in movies yeah i i was a huge fan of lizard growing up uh vulture he can fly you know uh uh, i don't know like there's a world where you make it work and uh it's fine it's really hard to envision it but like i i don't even know if some of the broader broader story was really that objectionable to me i just like the idea of like this woman being thrust into the role of guardian for these three yeah that's a dynamic you don't necessarily see that much in any these movies that much like millennials hanging out with gen z you know it's (laughs) so it's it's just something a little different and someone that kind of like shepherds in a younger group of superheroes in some way but it's just it just couldn't get out of its own way. Like I, I again, I, I, the overall idea I'm fine with. Just everything else was just bad. And like there, there was another. I said, what was the? What, how was it put by someone? What, like everyone I follow on Letterbox has given this at most two and a half, but everyone's like basically between one and half to one and a half. Uh, David Sims Letterbox review. Every every line reading feels like it's on a Zoom delay. And I actually had that thought a couple of times during the movie, where it's like there's the one thing where she's driving after she drove him away from the diner. And like, for some reason, Dakota Johnson says like to herself, like, you should be really sorry to them when they're like apologizing to her. And then she just like says it again to herself, but like very slowly and awkwardly. It's like, why? <laughs> like, yeah, yes, you should be sorry. And that's just like the end of that exchange It's like, why? Like, is, is this so awkward? It's so much. It's so, like there were like five different moments like that where I'm just like, yes, what, did so you- much dead. Sp- and it's not I think part of that is like they're leaving room for laughs genuinely because again the movie takes the form of one of these sorts of movies but there's just no momentum there's no passion behind any single moment so like that is supposed to be that moment where like she's kind of becoming the mom for these people and uh she's chastising them and it's supposed to show that she actually cares about them even though she's a character who's really prickly and who cartoonishly seems like doesn't seem like somebody who anybody likes that that's the intent and it just they just don't no one cares no one cares yeah i might be the best note to end on um do you, do you have a better note to end on than that um no one cares no one cares <laughs> honestly like i'd say go see it though you know i kind of want more people to talk to with about it you know and if, if, if you get it's such an interesting document you know yeah i think it is instructive i think that the thing is with most people this is going to be the worst movie that they've ever seen Mm. 
I really do. Like, I think that this is a movie that kind of shows. Do you like, like as much? I do like as much as you didn't like it. That like you're so clearly referring to other people. It's like an acknowledgement that you've watched even worse things than this, and you're just like, yeah, for some like, people, I, it's gonna be the worst. I hated yeah. it, but it wasn't. Look, it's the worst hey, thing I've heard. Just, all right, so here's the here's a comparison. <laughs> Two days ago or so, like I saw that the guy from Harlem. Are you aware of this? <sighs> No. All right. So there's a reason that you're not aware of this. Okay. The guy from Harlem, 1977 movie made by some guy in Miami for like no money. It's this private investigator who goes on these adventures. He does these jobs for the CIA or no, half the movie is him doing a job for the CIA. The other half is like some crime boss comes to him. They're totally disconnected <laughs> the two halves of the movie. He just, it's just an excuse for the star to like kind of get naked and fuck with ladies and nice. you know, like there's like haphazard action scenes that look like they're choreographed by two guys on a playground and the performances are shit. Nothing about the movie is commendable or good. Mm. But like, it took something for this guy, whoever he is, to like get a movie together, get people to agree to it, and set on the streets of, I say the streets of Miami, uh, more like the handful of random outdoor locations and sets that he was able to cobble together. I, I, all I'm getting at is that I've seen worse movies on a technical level. Just, they tend to be just guys out trying to do stuff on their own without knowing anything about what a movie is supposed to be and look like, what a story is supposed to look like. And everyone involved in this has worked on something before. Yes. And for this to look like this, wow. And like, I mean, a lot of people have commented on, you know, it's that they thought Dakota Johnson seemed checked out or other, act, a lot of the people in the movie like realized they were in something bad while they were doing it and just for whatever. I think that might just be a little bit like what like Dakota Johnson's affect is. I've, I'd like to think she's, a little bit more of a professional than that, even if she likes to, you know, joke about not giving a shit when she's on the press tour, or maybe she doesn't give a shit by the time she got to the press tour and knew she wasn't in a good movie. But all that being said, it's like, you hear all the time about how like maybe this was this bad because of uh, awkwardly filled in reshoots or because they just reshot stuff that wasn't good in the first place. But it's like, you hear all the time how like a lot of these movies as a matter of course, they, they, they just factor in before it even starts that reshoots are going to be a thing. Like it's baked into the budget and it's like, how did like someone like okay this? You know what I mean? It's it's very strange. Like for you and I, people that don't have an eye for that can see how messed up the ADR is for that guy. Like, how does that get to the big screen? You know, it's it's just it's it's just very very confounding. Um, but that's why I think it's just like, it was. I'm glad I saw it. I, I know as funny as it yeah. sounds, like I've been complaining a lot on the podcast about how like I it's just so much more work for me to go to the movies these days with having to drive to a theater and it's like a different level of commitment for me to go see something bad. But like. It might not have hit the so bad it's good territory, but it was still like bad enough that it was like interesting to watch as opposed to just something that was totally forgettable, which I think it's getting accused of. But like, I think it was bad in so many interesting different ways. And I'm glad I can say I did it and talked about it. And I'm that's why I would encourage other people to see it so I could have other conversations about it. You know, like you said, for a lot of people, it's going to be like the worst movie they ever seen. And it's like, they might have they might go to, into it trying to like you know ironically appreciate it but like you or i like are gonna just see bad movies as a matter of how like how we live our lives whereas like that might be one of like eight movies certain people go to this year and it's like wow yeah you know sorry uh, for them <laughs> yeah uh all right daniel before we uh before we wrap this thing up is there anything that you actually like that you've watched recently you would like to recommend to the listeners um actually this past night i did watch all of the new season of true detective because uh elijah in our group chat uh was saying that the last episode of this season was like one of the worst hours of television he's ever seen that's how you get me to watch a tv show and i went to go see it and i thought most of it was pretty bad so you know can't really recommend that i read this <laughs> did you watch novel. all six episodes even though just to get to the one that elijah said was really bad and then you still thought it was really bad i am so committed to watching <laughs> bad stuff like i mean that's just what i do i read uh, limbo this graphic novel not very good started watching a movie before we started recording one of the unofficial yes madam movies and uh eh, it's okay but you know what I do love? Mm. As of five hours ago, when I started playing it on repeat, the new Ariana Grande song, Yes And. Are you a pop music guy? Not really. But I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I care about Taylor Swift and I don't really have much time for much other music. But like, I mean, I, 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 I'll listen to Ariana Grande though when it's uh, when there's a good one. So I don't know shit about pop music. I'm mm -hmm. so disconnected. I don't listen to music generally. Like most of the time, if I have headphones on, I'm listening to a podcast. But- 
I have liked the Ariana Grande stuff that I've heard in the past, the past big hits, you know. Excited for Wicked on Victory? Uh, is she in it? Yeah, she's like one of the two main leads of it, yeah. <laughs> oh, is she? I genuinely uh, didn't know. It was, a big deal. it was a big deal because like the first trailer dropped during the Super Bowl. Not that like... Oh, uh, right, right, right. right. Yeah, Bowl. I saw the trailer and I was not impressed. Oh. But yes, and been watching the music video... It's simple shit. I don't connect to any of her music on an emotional level. It's mostly about being a boss ass bitch and you know taking stealing stuff man, from your past, stealing other man, people's man. Is that what she's known for? Bit, I, genuinely, a, I don't know anything about Ariana Grande's yeah. like like public profile or anything like that. Hmm. But like you know, like she makes songs about how like you know, hey, I'm so rich that I can get a bag for all my friends. Look, I do not relate to any of that stuff. All I know is that it sounds great so yes and super fun song i'm gonna actually listen to the album when it drops because i i see the future as well it's not just madam webb i see the future and i know i'm gonna love the new ariana grande wow all right uh totally new elena pop culture now uh you've opened yourself up to i don't have a lot that i've watched the last few days i would actually recommend instead of shitting on one movie that like i might do a podcast on so i don't want to shit on it yet i will I will uh, just tell people I, I plugged the Oscar shorts before I saw the Oscar shorts. I have since seen the Oscar shorts and uh, the live action ones that is in like big surprise. There's a lot of dead kids in them, which because this branch just can't get enough dead kids. But uh, they're going to love the documentary shorts this next year. It's going to be all Israel Gaza stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I would. I, but I would tell people there's um, and I actually did not even really like the Wes Anderson short that much because uh, but I'm also just not a big Wes Anderson guy. But I would say that there's one called Red, White and Blue that I. Highly recommend seeking out. Um, and I again, I like p- telling people to go into them blind. But if you kind of Google Oscar shorts, red, white, and blue, there, there are places online you can rent it. And you don't necessarily need to go see everything on the big screen. Like I, I would like people to because I want the theaters to keep getting them in hopes that one day they get back to what they once were before they just started trying to make it the darkest, most nihilistic shit possible. But like there's one called red, white, and blue that I think is actually like really worth your time. And I would recommend that if nothing else. Uh, and yeah, maybe next time I do this, I'll actually have some new movies to recommend. But uh, that's all I got for now. Uh, Daniel, anything you want to plug uh, writing wise, uh, letterbox wise, anything like that? I'm a letterbox felonious funk. I write for disappointment media. That's all I got. All right. As usual, I'm Josh Shurnovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on Twitter and letterbox podcast emails, rewindmoviepod at gmail.com podcast twitter or uh podcast twitter is at rewind movie pod uh coming up next on the podcast uh we'll have an episode on uh we might actually depending on when we get this edited versus when i get my other stuff edited the next one might very well be past lives which will be our second last uh episode on uh best picture nominee so uh stay tuned for that i want to thank daniel for joining me i want to thank all of you for listening and we'll see you next time yeah.